And what did they think they were being destroyed for at least thousands of years ago? Not homosexuality. Lack of hospitality. He told Bacchus and Philemon to climb the mountain with him and Mercury and not to turn back until they reached the top. What happened to Lot's wife? She turned into a pillar of salt. After climbing to the summit, Bacchus and Philemon looked back on their town and saw that it had been destroyed by, Sodom and Gomorrah, what were they destroyed by? Fire and brimstone, right? No, this town was destroyed by a flood and that Jupiter had turned their cottage into an ornate temple. The couple's wish to be guardians of the temple was granted. They also asked that when time came for one of them to die, that the other would die as well. Upon their death, the couple slowly grew branches and leaves and they turned into a double-trunked linden tree, which the myth says still grows to this day. Isn't that cool? And isn't it ironic that those two humans turned into a, a tree? There we go again with the tree. Yeah, right? Humans are always trees in the Bible, always. Now the Bible says Paul approached a lame man in Lystra and said, get up and walk. And the guy stands up and walks. And the people saw this and screamed, the gods are back. The gods are back. Who is he talking about? Yes. And Paul preaches another sermon, but this time not one single Old Testament reference because they don't know the scriptures. Remember that band of unbelieving Jews and Greeks who ran Paul and Barnabas out of Antioch and Pisidia? They walk 90 miles <laughs> to Lyconia to stir up people there against them. Now, y'all remember how somebody is stoned in ancient times? They take you up to at least a 20-foot cliff. Your hands are bound behind your back. You're stripped of your clothing. And then they push you off head first down 20 feet. This ceiling right here is 10 feet, by the way. And to fall head first from that height would kill you instantly. Now, double that. And they push you off. Now, if you didn't die because of the fall... That's when the witnesses, the ones charging you with the crime, pick up as big a rock as they can and they drop it on you, on your head, on your breaking bones, smashing, ripping skin, crushing lungs, uh, obliterating a skull and brains, just everything. If you did not die after the witnesses dropped stones on you, it was kind of like the Salem witch trials. If the lady lived, oh, she wasn't a witch. Huh. I guess we were wrong. Oh my God. You almost killed her. Wait, so with this guy, oh, hmm, that must be God's judgment. He must not be guilty. Now he's not going to live because of his injuries, but at least he's alive. So we don't get to drop any more rocks on him. So we must've been wrong. Now, <laughs> Paul stands up. Paul stands up. He survives. Did God provide a stone proof umbrella? Maybe. He got stoned here in Lystra when those guys walked 90 miles and said, hey, you bunch of goobers, you know who this is? And they're like, oh, what? Yeah, man, that's Jupiter and Mercury. No, 
That's the guy that wants the Gentiles to be more favored than you. What? We didn't know that, man. And he stirs up all these guys to go do something about it. Now, Paul stands up. Did God cause the folks throwing the stones not to be able to hit the broadside of a barn? Maybe. But Paul stands up and walks back into town. I think he was hurt. I think he was badly hurt. He spends the rest of the day and night before leaving to Derby the next day. They said, if you come back, we're going to kill you. He gets up, walks back into town and spends the night and the next day. And then he goes to Derby. This tells you about the kind of guy Paul is. You tell me this guy didn't have fire in his chest. You tell me that's not chutzpah right there in Paul. That's what it takes to be a disciple. It doesn't take intelligence. It takes guts. There's this joke about this little third grader. Comes into class. He's there. He's so excited. It's science class. And his teacher says, good morning, kids. How are you? Great, teacher. This little Jewish kid in Israel. And the teacher says, okay, today we're going to study about whales. This little kid's so excited. He said, oh. And the teacher says, yes. Um, Eli, yes. He says, uh, Jonah was swallowed by a whale. We just learned this. And the teacher says, okay, I I know the story. He wasn't swallowed by a whale. Kid looks, what? Yes, Eli. But my rabbi said that he was. He said that he uh, was thrown over the ship and the... And a whale, God appointed a whale to swallow him. I know what the Bible says, Eli, but it's not true. It's, it's anatomically impossible for a whale to swallow a whole person. Their throats are too small. They eat krill. They've got baleen. They, we'll, we'll study it all. Don't worry. It's not true, but I'm glad that, that the Bible is, you know, I'm glad you like that story. Oh, Eli, stop asking. You know what? When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah if he was swallowed by a whale. And the teacher says, oh, really? Well, what if Jonah's not in heaven? And the kid goes, then you ask him. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah, that's the chutzpah, right? That's like, oh, my gosh, the third grader just, dang, right? So Paul was just like Jesus. People that think that like Jesus was this effeminate man, like, come on, everybody, let's go to the... Sea of Galilee, we're going to, you know, you see these pictures where he's like doing this, you know, sort of just, it's the, Jesus was a stonemason. He's grabbing big rocks and he's pow, you know, he's a, he's a carpenter. I think Jesus kind of swole. You know what I mean? I do. I think he's kind of, he's built. He's a, he's not a dude that you just push around. Now, Paul, he's also a tradesman. He's not some wimpy little old bald guy with the hook, yeah, you know. He's just, he's a dude. He gets stoned. And I mean, they stoned him. It wasn't like they missed him. Oh, well, well there he, he gets stoned. I think he's bloody. I think he's broken. I think he's bruised. Now God preserved his life. But he walks back into this city with the little hitch in his giddy up and says, I'm not done. Like, that's chutzpah. How about you? When you get knocked down, are you like, well, that's it. Okay, guess God hates me. I don't believe in the Bible anymore. I don't even believe in you anymore. I'm going to become an atheist now. It's like, come on, where's your chutzpah? All right, say these words after me. If I say, if I, say I, will not him, I will not mention him, 
or speak any more in his name. His word is inside me. Burning like a fire. Trapped in my bones. I'm tired of holding it in. Indeed, I can't. Isn't that cool? Jeremiah says, I can't hold this in anymore. It's in my chest. It's in my bones. I'm tired of holding it in. If I say I won't mention his name anymore, I'm going to explode. This is how awesome God is. Okay, that's a Talmud. Now, beginning on Paul's second tour, he begins to choose disciples. In the first half of his ministry, he starts 24 churches. Last six years of his 10-year ministry, guess how many churches he starts? 34. Two. He goes, from dis- he goes from evangelist to disciple maker. He starts to spend his time with the people that have come to know the Lord. Instead of gathering more and more and more, he's going to start to raise up these disciples. Uh-huh. Paul came to Lustra. There was a believer there named... Timotheon, his mother was Jewish. She was a believer. And when I say believer, I mean in Yeshua HaMoshiach. She was a believer in the Messiah as Jesus. His father was a Greek, a Goy. And the text implies that his dad was not a believer. Let me tell you a little bit about Timothy. He was a mumser. Say mumser. Mumser, what's a mumser? A mumser is somebody, go ahead. It's an illegitimate child. Somebody born of an improper union. There's a word in English we don't use. It's considered a cuss word, but lots of words are considered cuss words, right? Bastard, yeah. All a bastard is is a kid that was born out of wedlock or uh, in an illegitimate, where, you know, mom wasn't married. She got pregnant. Because had a one night stand and then she has the baby. That kid is a mumser. Okay. Jesus was accused of being a mumser. Can you imagine Mary shows up pregnant and her story is, God got me pregnant. Would you believe her? I wouldn't either. Are you kidding me, Mary? Come on. Face reality. God got me pregnant. That's sick, by the way. Who who do you think you are? Oh my gosh, everybody, Mary's here. Talk about a God complex. Can you imagine what Mary had to endure? But it's true. An angel visited. Nobody's heard from God in 400 years, Mary. Since Malachi, are you kidding me? Shut up. Well, can I stay with you? We have to be here for the census here in Bethlehem. And there's no room here. Well, there's no room here either. These are all her family members, by the way, and Joseph's. They're both from the Davidic line. And suddenly there's no room at the inn. You see, the inn, we think of the hotel. An inn is anywhere where people have an extra room and they might let someone stay there. There's no room in my hometown. It'd be like me going back to Fort Collins, back to my home congregation, say, hi guys, how are you? And they go, oh, <clears throat> um, yeah, hey, how's it going? Hey, what's wrong with you? Uh, nothing, never mind. Hey, do you have some time? I'd like to catch up. I'm sorry, I'm just fresh out. Got to be somewhere to wash my dog. I'd start getting the message, right? Like, what's going on? And when you look down and you've got an eight-month pregnancy showing 
your belly popping through. And when they open the door and they're like, yes, hey. Oh, Mary, Joseph, can we stay with you? It's cold. It's late. We have, we've asked 15 other houses. I'm sorry. There's just not enough room, but it's good to see you. Bye, sweetheart. Say hi to your mom for me. You know what I mean? How awful. How sad. That's Jesus. Accused of being a mumser. There's a story here, guys. Eunice, Timothy's mom, falls in love with a Greek man. Obviously. She's smitten by him. Maybe she has an affair with him. We don't know. Maybe Lois, Grandma Lois, desperately tries to stop him. You know how that works when parents say, you will not see so-and-so. Then they're like, now I'm going to see him even more. Maybe Eunice went to talk to the rabbi who said, don't do this. You don't understand. You don't understand what the Torah says, Eunice. And she says, what does the Torah say, rabbi? And the rabbi quotes, no one born of a forbidden union may enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the 10th generation. None of his descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord. Do you understand what you'll be doing to this child if you do this? Well, she ends up with a child. Maybe she approaches the rabbi and says, Rabbi, what is this we got here? She says, this is my baby. This is my little boy, Timothy. Rabbi, it's the eighth day and I want you to be the one to circumcise him in accordance to the command. I want to bring him up as a Jew, even though his father's not a believer. And I can see an old rabbi starting to cry. Oh, Eunice, you don't understand. I'm sorry, but he's a mumser. No temple. No synagogue. But he can study the Torah, right, Rabbi? No! He can't come into the assembly of the Lord to the 10th generation. No Torah. No temple. No Gentile court. No synagogue. And Eunice says, but he never did anything. And the rabbi says, I know, you did. (sighs) She leaves with her baby. Imagine the kids at school. Oh, (laughs) here comes Timothy. Moms are, moms are alert. (laughs) Hey guys, stop calling me that. I I don't like that. Moms are, moms are. (laughs) Somebody's mom was bad. You can't come to my birthday party, right? It's just horrible to this kid. Can you imagine how poorly those kids were treated? Well, just think about today. Just think about elementary school today. Bible says, Timothy, continue in what you've learned. How from infancy, you've known the Holy Scriptures. What happened? <laughs> Did Eunice know the Torah by memory? I doubt it. Did Grandma Lois know the scriptures? Maybe. Did Timothy sit outside the window of the synagogue in the long grass on Saturdays with the gentle breeze just hoping to get a few words out the window as he sat by himself and played in the dirt? I don't know. Maybe when the rabbi would stand on the steps of the synagogue and read the scripture in public, Timothy was a sponge. He learned every word. 
somehow this mumser who nobody would play with, nobody would talk to, who may have been brilliant. And this visiting rabbi comes into town looking for disciples. And maybe Timothy says, Mom, I know the Bible better than all those guys. Why can't I study? And she says, oh, my son, my son, my sin. You can never study Torah because you're a mumser. I'm sorry. And then one day Paul shows up. Well, he couldn't be part of Paul. But then he hears Paul say, in Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, there is no Jew. There is no Greek. There's no male. There's no female. There's no slave. There's no free. We are all one in Jesus. And Timothy thinks, maybe there are no mumsers. And then Timothy sees his one ray of hope get dragged out of the city, his hands tied behind his back, and pushed off a cliff. But then he sees Paul come limping back into town and begins to preach. And I can see Timothy saying, I like the fire in that guy's chest. Wow. And Paul walks in two years later. He's changed. He's looking for disciples. And Paul comes in and says, who's this kid over here? And the people of the town say, well, it's a great kid. He's a mumser, but he's a great kid. Man, he learned the text on his own. Paul says, how? How do you learn the text when you're a mumser? You can't study with a rabbi. You can't go to temple. You can't go to synagogue. I want this kid, <laughs> if he can learn the text. Wow. And what would you give to be standing next to Timothy when Paul walks up to him and says, you Timothy? Yes, sir. Look at me. I think you have what it takes to be like me. Timothy says, but Mr. Paul, I'm, I'm a bum, I'm a mumser. And then Timothy comes running into his house. Ima, Rabbi Shaul thinks I can be like him. Can you see her tears? Can you feel her salvation at last? He's this redneck misfit kid you couldn't pick a more unlikely disciple. You know where we next hear of Timothy, by the way? After John and his disciple Onesimus, Timothy is the pastor of the largest church on Mars Hill. You know how Paul starts his letter to Timothy? To Timothy, my true son. You never had a dad, Timothy. I'll be your dad. Second letter. To Timothy, my beloved child. 
You don't think that brought tears to Timothy's eyes five, six, seven, eight years later after Paul calls him? And then Paul says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Timothy's a kid, maybe 13, 14 when Paul picks him. So what did Paul see in Timothy? Timothy, he says to him in scripture, fan the flames, keep it burning. I think Paul saw, Paul saw that same fire in Timothy that Paul had. The fire that led him to be stoned. Then he has the guts to walk back into town, dust himself off and say, now, where was I again? Oh yeah. Anyways, Jesus Christ. I mean, gee, many Christmas, you stone the guy and he comes back and just blows you away. I'd take a kid with fire any day over a kid with talent or IQ. I agree with RVL. I could show you in five minutes 20 kids in this school who because of the choices they've made or maybe somebody else made for them, <laughs> there's no way. There's no way they'd be a, a Timothy. There's no way they'd be a disciple, I mean. Um, seriously, in this school, I could show you guys kids that you've written off. They're idiots. They're stupid. They drive way too big a vehicle and they think that's neat and cool and they're better than you. They play sports so they look down on other people. They get together and do dumb things during lunch and in the parking lot before, after, during school, bathrooms. I, I know what you're thinking. I'm also old enough to know that is not the last chapter in those kids' lives. It is not. Just like this isn't the last chapter in your life either. Paul, Paul saw a kid with a deep, deep love of the text. Paul said, you can be like me as I am like Jesus. So let me end like this. Who are you? You feel like a Timothy? You feel like you're totally inadequate for this whole discipleship thing? good. That's about where you should be. That's where Jesus can actually use you and change you and shape you and mold you. You think, oh yeah, yeah, I can follow Jesus. I, I got this thing. I can do this. Watch out because that's pretty much the attitude that won't allow you to be changed or molded or broken and repaired by Jesus. In Jesus, there are no mumsers. Anyone with a fire in your chest and a desire to know the text. But you say, Mr. Dean, I don't know the text from infancy like Timothy. Here's what I'd say. Start now. What's stopping you? Well, I'm a teenager. That's what's stopping me. I got, I got life to live and fun to have. Okay. So you're not a tell me. Admit it and go on. The most precious resource that you have is not your time, I mean, not your money, it's your time. So start now. And you did. And that's why I'm so proud of you all. I love that you guys know Jonah chapter one and chapter two by memory. So awesome. You have no idea what that says to Jesus and how you will be blessed, not only now, but for the rest of your life and in, into the life to come, because those are the words that are eternal. So you know any Timothys out there? Yeah, I know you do. Because they go to this school. They walk these halls. And I'm not talking about just the dumb kids that are punks that you'd rather 
see get hurt because they're so mean and ugly to you. I'm not talking about those kids. Not only. There's also kids that nobody sees. They're camouflaged. They're invisible. They don't want anybody to see them. Just please, a good day is a day that they get home and they were never noticed by anybody. Nobody talked to them. Thank God, because then I, I just hate my life. I hate my existence and, and I don't want anybody to, to see me. Those kids are here. Find one of them. Love one of them. Put your arm around one of them and say, hey, how's it going? You know, I, I recognize your existence. You're important. Whatever it is, I don't know. But the main thing you can do is bring him or her into a community. Bring them into a community because those kids are all alone. And it would break your heart if you spent one day in their shoes. Because about the worst possible thing you can go through in high school is to be lonely, to be alone, to not belong. So, you imagine what would happen if one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Timothys walked out of this room today? Nine. What could happen? That's it's amazing. Blow me away. We need Timothys, guys. We don't need Brad Pitts. We need Timothys. Cool? Amen? So this, this lesson is a special lesson for me because I, I'm, I'm not a mumser, but I'm an orphan, as God defines orphan. An orphan in the Bible is someone who doesn't have a dad. I was raised without a dad. My mom raised me. So I can imagine what it was like for Timothy if his dad really didn't take an interest in anything Jewish. He's not even circumcised when Paul meets Timothy. And he's got to be 13, 14 years old. It means his dad said, no, absolutely not. Or his dad left when the next pretty little thing came along. And the rabbi said, sorry, we can't. He's a mumser. Man. So yeah, I love Timothy. I'm a Timothy. I feel like you're a Timothy, hopefully. Let's all be Timothys, right? All right. Thanks for your attention. God bless you.